say thank you for joining us for our first episode of the third season of our Houndcast. My name is Jessica Weaver and I am the Leadership Gift Officer for Family Philanthropy here at Moravian University. And I'm excited to be coming to you live today from our Zenzanko New Media Center. But I'm even more excited to introduce our special guest for the day, Pakapura, class of 1978. And I'm going to allow Pat to introduce himself and then we're going to get chatting. Um, hi, Jessica. I'm happy to, uh, to be here, and thank you for the invitation. And uh, um, uh, I went to college at Moravian, graduated in 78. Um, both of my sisters graduated from Moravian before um, uh, before me, and so we have like a lot of history with the college. And uh, today, I think we're going to talk about a bit of a different subject, gardening, mm -hmm. which is you know one of something that I grew up doing and something I think is a great activity and, you know, love to share with, uh, you know, people who, uh, you know, want to hear about it. And I'm very excited to have you with us today because I think a lot of what we're going to chat about has large impacts on our larger community outside of Moravian. But I'd like to get started with something that's always struck me that's been in your email signature. Um, it's a quote from Audrey Hepburn, to plant a garden is to believe in a tomorrow. And that resonates with me on so many different uh. levels. But you shared something with me this morning that I think really is a great conversation starter. Um, today's a special day for you and your family. Do you want to share some of that with us? Uh, sure. Well, um, so uh, first thing, I think, you know, the, the quote that you referred to, a friend of mine sent it to me about a year and a half ago, and, uh, and I, was, I, I wasn't aware of it. And, but it struck me that it's like just a perfect statement, you know, to plant a garden is to believe in a tomorrow. You know, you start in... February or March with a, a tiny seed and, uh, uh, you know, three, four, five, six months later, you have like this incredible produce, which just can sustain, you know, um, entire communities. And so uh, I just like just love that because it just, you know, was, you know, uh, I think like it's just a great statement of how powerful, you know, gardening can be overall. And I think it's not just like the, the sustenance piece of it, it's the physical activity piece. And it's like the human interaction, um, you know, where I, I probably, you know, what I enjoy most about gardening, uh, I like the physical piece of it. I love eating fresh produce. But what I really, you know, uh, enjoy is interacting with fellow gardeners and then people in our neighborhood who come by to sort of, and they see the garden, they stop, and we end up with having a conversation about something completely, you know, outside of gardening. So that's what I really like. To your second question about uh, today, I was thinking actually to, uh, and, and this leads a little bit into gardening, into my interest in gardening, is that um, 60 years ago today, uh, my mother, my two sisters, and I uh, landed in JFK uh, as immigrants um, and were admitted, um, you know, into the United States. We know we came from Sicily. And we joined my father, who had come over a year earlier to find a place to, for us to live and found a job. Um, in, in eastern Pennsylvania. So, uh, so yeah, so 60 years ago, we, you know, we came to America as, as immigrants and, you know, we're able to, like, um, you know, make our way through the, you know, through uh, the community, through schools. All three of us went to Moravian and, right. you know, we're all, like, you know, in a, in, a, in a really, you know, nice, comfortable place right now. Sure, and I feel like that whole experience has shaped and developed and harvested, for lack of better words, uh -huh. your passion for garden, gardening. And I think... You know, even something that you shared with me earlier, that when your father came over the year earlier before your family came over, what was the first thing he did to yeah. the house that he purchased? So he found a house, and the first thing he did was a, a half of a double. It was like in uh, the south side of Easton. It was a you know, fairly uh, uh, close urban environment. 
And uh, the first thing he did, he went outside and he uh, uh, took out all the lawn because he thought, well, the lawn is very, is pretty worthless. I can't eat, I can't eat grass. So he took out all the lawn and he like planted this amazing garden. I mean, he had just a, bit, a little bit of everything. You know, he had fruits and vegetables and herbs. Uh, you know, he had grapes, he had fig trees. He, you know, it was like, it was pretty amazing. So when I arrived or when we arrived, you know, that was part of our lifestyle. So we would, you know, go out and work in the garden. And then besides that, he and his friends, you know, because he wasn't the only person doing this because uh, it was a Sicilian community that he moved into. Um, they had a community garden. And, you know, I, and I would, wow. you know, go with him there. And, you know, they would all be there and they'd be talking. And, you know, somebody would bring a bottle of their homemade wine and some food. And, and I think that's where I got the experience and about you know, how communal gardening can be. So it was, it was, a, it was a, you know, and I, and I never thought about it back then. It was like, right. it was an interesting thing to do. Sometimes it was a pain because I really wanted to go play baseball instead of like, you know, help my dad in the garden. But it was, um, you know, when I think back about it, you know, that was really the beginning of, you know, my interest in gardening. Right. And it stayed with you throughout all these years. And yeah, I've never, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking about this, and uh, I have never can remember a year that I did not have a garden. So I had a, uh, um, you know, I gardened with my parents all the time. When I graduated from Moravian, uh, the first place I rented, um, I asked, there was a, an abandoned garden in the backyard. It was an apartment. And I asked the woman if I could use it, and she said, of course. So I had a garden, and then I've had a garden ever since. So I've never had a year that I was not gardening that I can remember. I love that. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's a very communal thing, and that kind of speaks to how you got involved with Burnside Plantation. Right. Um, do you want to share some of that with everybody? Yeah, I think, you know, Burnside Plantation is, like, you know, one of the great like assets here in Bethlehem and um, uh, somewhere along the way I found out that they were looking for volunteers okay. you know they had there's a half acre garden that uh, uh, goes back to 1747 and this ties in with Mora you know Moravian University um, uh, James Burnside who uh, was a Moravian he and his family uh, moved from uh, the Church Street area where the, the most of the Moravians lived right. and he bought 500 acres um, along the Monocacy Creek. Wow. And so he started, you know, this farm. And um, he built a house in, you know, 1748 or 1749. And then outside the house, there is this half-acre garden, which, you know, is, you know, called the kitchen garden, which is, and this is, you know, they, they were uh, growing food for the family to, to use. So over the years, you know, the Burnsides, uh, uh, sold that property back to the Moravian congregation. Somehow along the way, uh, Lehigh County came to own it. Uh, it's only six acres now, but it's part of historic Bethlehem museums and sites. Okay. So it's part of the, that nonprofit organization. And so they uh, supported and maintain it. So they've, uh, they have restored the house into a beautiful museum. There's a summer kitchen where they have open hearth uh, cooking and, a, and a, a, a wood oven for, you know, baking bread or, you know, so it's, uh, there's barns that they've rebuilt. And one of the things that was rebuilt, I think, in the early 90s was the original garden with the original garden shed. So it's a half-acre garden um, that is in three tiers. The top tier is uh, herbs and medicinal plants okay. that the Moravians would have used for either for, you know, for, for potpourri, for teas, for, you know, for ailments. Okay. The middle of the garden uh, was the root garden, which uh, 
uh, you know, included beets and onions and parsnips and potatoes, all things that they could store. This is really all about like sustenance for food, you know, so this is things they could put in their root cellar. And then the bottom part was, um, it was called the, the bean garden because it was mostly beans for the same reason. They could dry beans and they could store them. And now it's, it, you know, we have beans, of course, but we have a variety of vegetables, including we have tomatoes, which were not in colonial gardens. So, you know, so we kind of, you know, uh, it, part of, part of the, the role is to keep the garden as traditional as possible, but at the same time, you know, I think modernize it and, you know, kind of take it to the next level. And that's kind of what my interest has been. So, so you had asked, you know, I became involved as, just as a volunteer, and the way the volunteers, you know, we used to work is you'd sign up for a plot. And I remember the first plot I had was bush beans. That was all I could grow. <laughs> so, like, you take care that's of bush, bush beans. This is what I, so I was like, I thought, it was, like, pretty narrow. And, and then... And, and, and the garden, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was always really wonderful, but it was uneven because I might be really good at growing my bush beans, right. but the tomato person knew nothing about tomatoes. And so it, was, so it was kind of uneven. And so over time, I got more involved and I kind of took more of an active part. And in recent years, we've changed it where we have really changed it to communal gardening. So we have right. three gardening sessions a week where people show up. And I usually get like you know, 10 to 15 people at each session. And we work wherever we're needed. So we may all go weed the strawberry bed one day, or we may plant lettuces one day. And, and what that allows, it allows for two things. One is that the garden is more consistent overall. It's all like, in, you know, all really you know, well-maintained and, and managed. But the other thing is, um, you know, people are really interacting. And I think the reason that 15 to 20 people show up for each session is they just enjoy it. It's like an hour, an hour and a half of, you know, you're working, you're getting physical activity, you uh, are interacting with like-minded people. And, uh, and at the end of the day, you probably go home with a nice bag of uh, whatever's in season, whether it's lettuce early in the season or right now it's tomatoes and squash, for example. So... Um, so we've kind of evolved it that way as, as a working method, and I think it's, it's a really good working method. And then we've also tried to uh, add some new features to, uh, to the garden. Um, you know, I uh, had a relationship with the, the executive chef at the Hotel Bethlehem, and um, we had excess produce. And I said, you know, would you like some of our excess produce? And he said, yeah, we'd love it. And because, you know, we can say this was grown at Burnside Our Plantation. Team. Exactly. And so... So we would deliver produce to them like once a week, and they would, um, at the end of the season, they gave, they, they gave us a, a, a contribution, which would pay for all of our seeds and plants the following year. Okay. So we've become somewhat self-sustaining. Right. And then uh, two years ago, we added uh, food pantries. So we just, you know, we thought, you know, we can grow more food. We can be more intensive with how we right. plant. And uh, we now deliver weekly to the Northeast Community Center Food Pantry and to the New Bethany Food Pantry on, on a weekly basis. That's wonderful because somebody shared with me that Bethlehem City is actually considered a food desert because there's not access to fresh produce within a certain amount of miles for... In certain, well, especially where Northeast Community Center is, right. there, that is a food that is technically a food desert because there is no store nearby overall. Okay. Uh, here on the north side, there's you know there's a place called Sims up on Broad Street, okay. uh, but yes, there are like a number of food deserts, and there and, and so the food pantries have been very uh, very happy to you know to to have our involvement. Um, so so that's been a very satisfying you know, piece of it. And then the other thing that we added this year, which has, has gone surprisingly uh, 
not surprisingly well, but it's gone well. I, you know, I expected it, it might be popular, is um, something called um, You Point We Pick. So we invite the public in once a month okay. on a Saturday, and they can. we ask them to bring their own bags, although we have stuffed bags. If they show up without bags, we're going right. to bag. <laughs> so... Uh, so they, they uh, one of the volunteers will greet them at the gate and say, you know, just come in and look around. Here's a map of the of the garden, what's planted, and what are you interested in. And then they'll say, oh, you know, can you dig up some potatoes for me? And you know, so the person will dig up some potatoes and put them in a bag, or pick a few tomatoes, or a squash, or something. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, we just ask them to make whatever contribution they feel right. is appropriate as they leave. You know, and they just leave money in a box on as, as their way out. So so I think that's been very nice uh, because the community is, you know, right. it, it brings them to Burnside and they see what's going on and they can experience the other activities that are going on there. And then it's also been another nice uh, way to raise funds for, um, for Burnside Plantation. Do you always do it the same Day each month. Uh, we we do it the first. So so this is the first year that we've done. You plant okay. you you uh, you point we pick. Uh, it's the first Saturday okay. of um, of each month. So it'll be um, whatever the first Saturday in September is. It was just maybe the third. It's I think it's the third. Think it's and then in October. So those will be the last. And then you know first frost is October fifteenth, and things okay. will be pretty much done at that point. You know we'll kind of clean up the garden, at the end of October, and sort of. Uh, start over in November, start planning it for the next year. So I kind of, this is kind of off topic, but I kind of thought about it as we were talking. Why did they not have tomatoes when they originally did a garden? They just hadn't been introduced to North America. You know, they, they were in South America, and they just weren't introduced here yet. So, so you know, the, uh, you know, I, sh- I was going to bring a copy of, of the, the Burnside brochure, which we hand out to, pe- to visitors who come. And, if you know, if you come to the garden, they're in a little box outside the gate. Um, but we changed, so it has a bit of a history, okay. and I lobbied with, we have a historian who's very good, you know, mm-hmm. she's really knows what, you know, she's really good, so uh, so I wanted to edit the, you know, the brochure, and so uh, we lo- I lobbied and we negotiated that it says something like, uh, we grow uh, the varieties that the Moravians would have grown or would have grown if ava- if available okay. to them. So, so we, because the Moravians were smart, you right. know. So, so if they if they knew if they if they knew about tomatoes, they would have been growing tomatoes. It just they just hadn't been introduced. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so there's a few things that we, you know, grow that probably are you know are varieties that are not there. The other thing that we you know what we've also done is. Um, there was a bean that they used to grow, which is beautiful. It's a beautiful vine and with flower, you know, beautiful flowers called uh, Scarlet Runner. Okay. But it's not really that good to eat. And so we've, you know, we changed it to something called a provider bean, which is delicious. And, okay. and you know, and it's still beautiful. And so, you know, in a way, we, we want to balance uh, the practicality of, you know, uh, what we're doing with our produce versus the history. So we want to stay close to the history when people come. You know, we want them to see this is what the original garden looked like. It's laid out. It's got similar um, uh, produce, flowers, herbs, uh, but it's a bit modernized to sort of, you know, sure. make it, you know, more interesting and effective for the community and for the volunteers. I think it's a lovely way to honor the traditions that kind of created Moravian here in Bethlehem. Yeah. And I know, I think you've also shared with me, you know, since you've been involved with Burnside, the gardens kind of garnered some notability yeah. publicly with some awards and being filmed and yeah so I think the first thing that I think that I'm, I'm really you know I think really pleased about is uh, 
we actually turn away volunteers, which I don't think any any nonprofit like <laughs> can that. do nope. that. That's so right. and I and so we have about you know, I would say 40 active volunteers this year. And, you know, some people like them, I might not see them for weeks be, right. for whatever reason. And, but, you know, but, you know, they come and go, but I would say we have about 40 volunteers. And so I, I think that that is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I think that, that the volunteers enjoy, enjoy it. At the end of last season, I did a, a short survey as to, uh, you know, with a, a series of questions and one, I forced them to, um, to rank why they volunteered, and it included access to fresh produce, you know, organic produce, uh, physical exercise, uh, social interaction, supporting, you know, the the nonprofit organization, and by far it was the social interaction that wow. that like by far scored, you know, at the top. So, I think that that is one of the things that you know uh, I'm happy about that the volunteers. Um, you know, they really enjoy coming to the garden and participating. I think that's an achievement. But the other things that you referred to, uh, you know, last year we were awarded a blue ribbon by the uh, Pennsylvania Horticulture Society. So they do uh, a, a, a pretty significant garden uh, contest throughout Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Okay. And they have several categories. They have a home garden, they have a, a community garden, and then they have public gardens. Okay. And I think it's indoor gardens. It's indoor gardens, community gardens, uh, um, uh, public gardens, and um, uh, private gardens. So we're in the public garden category. So they gave us a, uh, a they awarded us a blue ribbon for this as, a, as a top prize. Now we weren't the only blue ribbon, but I, I sometimes don't mention that that we That's weren't okay. the only. I, I say we got a blue <laughs> ribbon, and then if somebody asks, are there more than one blue ribbon? I say, oh, yeah, there are. <laughs> Maybe a couple, but not too yeah, many. Yeah, not too many. But so, so that was very nice, and we have entered again this year, and okay. you know, so uh, which will be which is fun, and again, it's another thing that uh, the organization and then the um, the volunteers like kind of like enjoy, um, and then we also had uh, Chef Walter Steeb, who has a, a show on PBS called The Taste of History, and uh, he came and filmed recently, and you know, so he. Yeah, that show is going to air, I think, in early 2022 at this point. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's like it's on the radar for a number of, yeah. it's a destination. And, and, in fact, when I'm in the garden working and, and people show up, I always, you know, I always say hello and welcome them. And then I, the first thing I say is, well, you know, are you, are you from the area? And I would say eight out of ten times they're from somewhere else. They're outside the area, yeah. So they're and they're visiting. So it, it's a it's a terrific destination, you know, and um, and uh, you know it's a it's a great stop if you're coming to the Lehigh Valley. Well, Burnside is very lucky to have you. Thank you. Well, I'm uh, I'm lucky to, that they are well are happy to have me. <laughs> <laughs> so before we kind of wrap up, I'd like to kind of revisit your quote and something that kind of resonates with me is to plant a garden is to believe in a tomorrow. But I think that also speaks to your engagement with the university. Um, you, your family, all of your siblings went here, and to honor your parents and the sacrifices that they've made, you've generously created the Kapora Family Scholarship. Do you mind speaking a little bit about what your philanthropy means to you and your family and how it still kind of ties into planting those seeds for a better tomorrow with supporting our right. students? Right, yeah, that's, actually, that's a, a, a really good way to end this uh, session. Uh, yeah, so we... Um, the reason we came to the United States was, you know, my parents really, even though they only had fourth grade educations, 
knew that we couldn't get the education and employment opportunities right. in Sicily. Right. That, and so, so that's why we, you know, we, we ended up here. And then there was like really no uh, option that the three of us were not all going to, uh, you know, in Italy they call it the university, you know, that you were going to go to the university. And if we stayed in Sicily, we would have had to either go to Palermo or Milan or Rome because there was nothing where we, you know, where, where we were living. So, um, you know, coming to the U.S., you know, we all ended up going, we were all going to go to, to the, you know, to college somewhere. Um, my, you know, my oldest sister, Santa, uh, selected uh, Moravian. And one of the reasons is that she got a, a full paid scholarship. You know, and uh, and then uh, you know, two years later, Maria came, uh, and um, and then you know, five or six years after that, I you know, I showed up, and it, it, to some degree, it was a bit of a coincidence, but it was also the best option overall. Right. And the other thing, I think, to my parents' credit, I mean, they you know, so they they were uh, adamant that this is what you know, we were, we were going to go to school somewhere, not necessarily all to Moravians, but I think they were pleased. But, you know, we, we, we lived in Easton, which was only 15 miles away. They allowed us to live on campus, you know, because they understood the importance of, right. uh, you, know, uh, you know, being on our own overall. So, uh, so that was our experience. And then we all went off and have had, you know, wonderful careers and have been successful. And somewhere along the way, you know, years ago, and I think it was like in the early 90s, I should know this date. So you probably know better than I do. Is uh, we, you know, we, did, you know, my sisters and I were having a conversation, and we said, let's start. Why don't we have a scholarship in, you know, in, uh, in our parents' name? And so we got twenty five thousand dollars together and started a scholarship, and we have grown that to like almost six hundred thousand dollars now uh, is the market value, and we um, award four scholarships each year to uh, to students. And our goal over time is to fully. Um, you know, fully funded so we could, you know, have four students getting full paid scholarships. Um, and so, I, you know, I think that's, you know, we benefited so much from, um, you know, our parents being insistent on, you know, the importance of education. We are grateful for the education we got at Moravian. And so, it's, you know, to us, it seems like that's the natural thing to do is to give back in that way. Well, I am so very grateful and so are all of my colleagues at the university for everything that your family does and continues to do for the university. And I personally have so enjoyed getting to know you throughout this past year. And I'm very much looking forward to continuing our conversations together. And to wrap up, maybe you'll be turning away more volunteers at Birdside. Well, we'll see if people if you know people are interested in volunteering, we will you know, we're looking for, well, one of the things I like to do every year, I always like to add new volunteers, you know, so I always go back to my old volunteers and say, do you want to come back? But I don't pressure them in any way. But I always like adding new volunteers. And I think the new volunteers add so much value. So I think we have 10 new volunteers this year. And, wow. when, and we probably lost 10 for whatever reason, you know, they, people moved on, they, you know, but uh, so yeah, so we're always looking for new volunteers, you know, they always add, add great value overall. And so I did bring you something from, from my garden. This is from my home garden, because I also have a home garden, of course. of course. So I brought you two of my favorite tomatoes. And you can hear the bag rustle. Uh, so th this first tomato is a Cherokee purple, which uh, at the Easton Farmer's Market a couple years ago was rated as the best-tasting tomato 
Um, I'm not sure I, I, yeah, so that's a good tomato to try later. And then the second one is actually my favorite tomato, which is a Brandywine pink tomato. It's a beautiful pink tomato. You know, they can't see it here, obviously, but... It is beautiful. I can attest to that. Yes, but it's even more delicious. So uh, maybe on the way home, like, stop and buy yourself a, a piece of mozzarella and make oh. a nice caprese salad. Oh, I will. All right. Yes, I love tomatoes. Thank you, Pat, so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. I enjoyed it. You're welcome.